The Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thanks very much to Lucy for home, and she'll be back next Monday. Welcome to The Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide show number 244 with the latest tech news, and then we'll look at some of the announcements and news from MWC Barcelona 2023. Uh, But first, it's time to take a look at this week's technology news, and we'll start off with some rumours about the iPhone 15. This, of course, Apple's latest uh, flagship phone. And, well, there's the usual, uh, usual things that you'd expect, but... (laughs) <laughs> in the big news it looks like they are finally succumbing to USB-C yes probably the, the, the world. thing that a lot of people have been um, wishing that they would actually get to not just the EU and, or, or at uh, least just make a decision on <laughs> yeah that, that's the thing is that yeah, yes. there's a bunch of iPhone owners at the moment who are going to have to get new charging cables again the thing is um, they don't ship much charging stuff with a phone these days anyway no, but they certainly at least don't, now don't, you know where you're going to be sat. Yeah. You know you're not going to want to go and invest in another 10 lightning cables if you if you haven't got them already. I suppose the one thing that's going to be good for iPhone uh, owners and people who enjoy that tech is that USB-C is a standard. Any cable will have to conform to that standard and they will be cheaper than Apple's own brand and lightning-specific cables. Hopefully, yes. Uh, well, we we, yeah, we, we just hope. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's a bunch of um, yeah variations on that theme. So OnePlus, for example, uses USB-C on the bottom of its phone, but yes. its dash charging is a proprietary thing. So you can yeah. charge off, off any yes. old USB-C charger, but to charge within 20 minutes... Um, which is what you get with the charger out of the box, then you have to use one of their chargers. And it wouldn't, I, sh- it wouldn't I, I, I shock could me imagine, if Apple did the same thing. Yeah, yeah I could imagine the, the Apple charging brick, which will be another 90 quid, um, plus the special cable, which will be another 20 quid, will get you those 20-minute charges. Well, well, we'll have to wait or and see. Or whatever they are, yeah. <laughs> but good, good news overall yes. that it's going to USB-C. Yes. I think yeah, that, that does pave the way for at least one standard set of charging cables for all of your devices. Of course, if you are in the Apple ecosystem, uh, the iPad and the MacBook Air and those uh, those sorts of devices are already USB-C. So you're I- iPad have Pro, uh, the and, rest of the um, iPads, a uh, couple I of think, them hadn't... The later- <laughs> Later regular the ones are USB-C mini was as the well. last one to, or the Air was the last one to still have a lightning. So I think we might have one that's current. A little bit of a still mix. Not be, yeah. yeah, but anyway, moving to USB-C. A couple of other things that are supposed, supposedly uh, coming in the iPhone 15 are thinner bezels, so more screen real estate. We see that every year with every manufacturer pretty much. Um, and um, yeah, possibly a thinner phone overall as well. Now, I'm, I'm always slightly dubious of these claims because, to me at least, and admittedly I'm a fairly tech-heavy user, I would prefer a phone with a battery that lasts longer rather than a phone that's thinner. Yeah, Especially absolutely. if you've got the camera sticking out a bit, actually, you know what, just make the thing flat. I'd, I'd happily accept the extra volume. Five for, millimetres for thicker for, for another 12 hours of battery, thank you. <laughs> it, exactly. So I, I guess it depends on the target market there yeah. a little it, I almost wish that there was sort of two two iPhone models of the you know the the iPhone you know extra long battery lasting or or something <laughs> like that um, same size but just a, a bit thicker in in return for uh, for that. But they do everyone life. out of selling battery banks and 
charging bricks and <laughs> stuff. But anyway, we'll, we'll wait and see. That's probably going to be towards the middle of the year before we find out uh, the reality from Apple. Yep. Uh, next one, moving, staying in the, the phone world, but moving manufacturer. Um, and that is heading towards Samsung. Um, they are bringing some of their uh, uh, CPU development in-house. Of course, pretty much all Android phones uh, at the moment, in fact, all phones except for the iPhone, um, use ARM intellectual property, of course, Cambridge company. Um, and generally speaking, those processors have been built by Qualcomm. Uh, another company with quite a lot of <laughs> R&D happening here in Cambridge. Um, Samsung wanting to move over that, uh, away from that. They are, they, they've already sort of moved away from Qualcomm to their own processors in terms of manufacturing. They're now looking potentially to move away from ARM as a CPU architecture. This surprises me more, Yes, I, I have to say, because um, it doesn't really matter who makes the chips. That's that's fair enough. But if you're changing the actual way that the processor works, um, then suddenly a lot, you're going to have app uh, compatibility issues, yeah. um, or at least challenges. Does that mean we're going to get some apps that will only run on Samsung phones, some that will only not run on Samsung phones? Um, it'd be I, interesting to see yeah. how they go. There, there is a subset of Android apps and you know a lot of the basic ones um, which are written in Java, that'll run cross-platform, so shouldn't be affected by this. But some of the, the more advanced ones, the ones that work a little more closely with the operating system, yeah, those those tend to assume an ARM processor at the moment. So there, there are other architectures, such as the RISC-V core um, architecture, which Google have already said that they will support uh, later this... Uh, support... They said earlier this year that they'll support it later this year in the next edition of Android. So and and probably Chrome Chrome OS as well. So that means that hopefully the phone operating system can stay Android and move yes. over. Yes, I, I uh, think that would be a very brave move if they moved away from I, Android. I, I, think, I think Samsung have probably learnt their lesson on playing with ties in their own operating system and realised that doesn't endear them to consumers and we saw that with their wearables with their watch um says he holding up his samsung watch um and they basically dropped the ties and operating system and went back to google partnered with google on uh the wear os android wearable operating system and took that forward so they've got a good relationship with google on these things the challenge will be if they decide to do their own architecture in laptops and uh, tablets running Microsoft operating systems because that's yeah. going to then mean there's a new flavor besides the Intel and ARM that we are used to. And the Intel one is pretty much compatible on AMD as well. So the x86 structure and the ARM structure to the operating system's base. If there's got to be a third flavor of Windows, that's going to be interesting I, for the world. I, yeah, I, I'm just not sure there's a big... A big push for it to be honest especially on the the sort of desktop and laptop market um yeah you can sort of you can sort of get away with it on the mobile market because things are a little uh a little more closely controlled anyway apple are big enough to do it i don't think samsung are to be honest yeah uh, yeah okay moving windows to arm is going to uh, help a lot of manufacturers that some of the big cloud providers are, are using a lot of ARM 
uh, CPUs in their servers as well. So yep. know, there's pretty good community support. Samsung doing their own thing. I just, I just don't see the. I don't see the needs and I don't see the, yeah. the appetite for it amongst the rest of the ecosystem. I think people will probably say, well, one earth you doing, Samsung, come on, stick, <laughs> stick with the game the, here. In the corporate environment, which buys a lot more CPUs than the home environment, yeah. um, you know, your, mo your average corporate is going to go, we're running Windows on Intel. Yeah. We don't want to have to add ARM to our supported environment because it's just more work or yep. as we're doing a refresh we'll roll out arm and slowly get away from intel on the desktop for example I, i'm frankly the yes we're, we'll come on to in a second the the move of apple to to their own silicon now that is arm based the the m1 m2 uh silicon is arm based um, even that on a laptop environment has been a big problem for us yes. uh, in, in the sort of corporate world. It's, it's come with, with lots of advantages in terms of performance and battery life and, and that sort of stuff. But it's that application compatibility. If you're using more than just a web browser, it does come with pain. And so a onto a Apple's. Apple's not been known for good corporate support overall, though, for corporate management of yes. a, a, sweet, a, well, a, a large collection of Apple hardware, you know, Windows operating systems and Linux as well are relatively easy to manage on a corporate scale. Mac OS, less so. And, but, and talking of which, um, Apple has just uh, sort of rumoured that they may, uh, may be launching the uh, latest generation of their uh, devices. This is the new M3 processor. So we had the M2 last year. Um, and we're now seeing uh, uh, signs that the M3 may be launched in probably June. This is when they run their sort of developer focus conference, WWDC. Um, and looks like that might be going into a new uh, a new MacBook Air. Um, effectively, this is more of the more of the same, smaller, faster, better um, in pretty much any measure that you can take. Um, apart from probably a little bit more expensive because <laughs> because these things always are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, apparently it's already in testing in the M in the new IMAX. So um, you know it has been seen in the wild, but yes, it'll be interesting in the MacBook Air what that brings. Whether that adds to the previous um, M2's savings on battery life by doing very clever power management in the CPUs, by increasing the number of cores running graphics to allow you to process video and photos better and faster. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, another place that M3 is, is supposedly going to be going is in the new iPad Pro in 2024, which will also be their first tablet getting an OLED screen. And the, the iPad Pro is, it's called a tablet, but effectively it's a laptop without a keyboard, isn't it? It's, uh, it's a laptop that you can buy the keyboard extra, because you know, yeah. everything's extra. <laughs> but, but effectively it's, but de yes. it's designed as a computer rather than a, uh, yes. a sort of mobile, mobile device. I think calling it a tablet is a little bit of a, a disservice to it. Um, interestingly, there are also rumours that we might be seeing a 15-inch MacBook Air. Um, this feels slightly weird in that the MacBook Air, of course, was the small, light, very portable thing. And now we're possibly seeing a 15-inch one, which is on the large you, side you, for a laptop. You, you, you say it's odd, but if they follow their design principles of it being lightweight, um, True. they Although could I'd, have I'd, a... 
an interesting I'm slightly one, nervous that we might get a repeat of the uh you know the the bent iphones when people sit on them i'm, I'm <laughs> sensing some bent macbook airs when they go in your rucksack now uh my uh, pet favorite with people putting um ultrabook type laptops in their rucksack is putting the power cable and 13 amp plug yes on the screen three side nice, yeah three and nice yes, uh, three casings. three three interesting shadows on the screen regularly um Head, ta- talking about screens the, yeah yeah indeed heading further up the uh, <laughs> the the sort of computing stack and uh, a couple of display driver bugs so this is more if you're on a desktop PC or perhaps a high-end uh, high-end laptop, um, both Nvidia and AMD reporting issues with the latest versions of their graphics drivers. Yeah, Nvidia first. Uh, they are saying that in their GeForce 531.18 drivers, there is a bug that could result in higher CPU usage after exiting games. So basically, you've finished playing, you quit your game, and something carries on using up to well 10% more. CPU than before you actually launch the game. Interesting. This is mostly going to affect people who have um, you know, fairly high-end graphics cards. So generally, yes. if you're not sure what you've got, you probably don't have something that's going to be affected <laughs> by this. Um, yes. But if you if you do have a gaming machine, then maybe just be worth uh, looking at what version of uh, graphics drivers you're running. People that might be impacted are people using Adobe Premiere Pro. So anyone doing video editing using a high-end NVIDIA card could be impacted as well. Yep, staying in the gaming world, uh, but now into uh, to games themselves. Oh, hang on, um, Mr. AMD. Oh, oh, sorry. A- a- yes, yeah, AMD. A- a- AMD have got a bug in their Radeon drivers at the moment that could cause your Windows operating system to blue screen and brick itself. Oh, useful. So again, uh, so say it, same deal. <laughs> if you're seeing uh, instability issues, go and check what version of your graphics drive you're Yes, they're so saying version 23.2.2 can break Windows to the point that the operating system becomes corrupted. If you haven't upgraded 23.2.2, don't. <laughs> Wait for the next release. And into gaming now, uh, Metroid Prime Remastered. Uh, so this was originally released for the Nintendo Switch, and now it's uh, it is going into the shops um coming into the uh, into the gaming chart at number two just below uh, hogwarts legacy if uh, if that's your thing um and uh, yeah be interesting to see what uh, well, what sort of a, a reaction this gets I've, I've not followed any of the well uh, we're talking about a game that's that's 20 years old being remastered and re-released so yes that means souped up graphics a whole lot a whole lot better visuals um and i wouldn't be surprised if they have cleaned up and improved the soundtrack um but yes it was it was quietly released digitally um a few weeks ago and did quite well on the charts but yes as you said first time it's uh, it's appearing in the in the shops as of yesterday and to um come in at the um the fourth biggest boxed launch of the entire Metroid franchise. Is I guess part of that is going. is going to be that the ecosystem has got bigger. There are more people playing computer games now than they were yes, when the I'm, first one was, <laughs> was released. Guessing, so yes, uh, of course. A remastered edition is going to have a fan base following of people who played it 20 years ago and go, um, yeah, we want the new one. 
Yeah. Uh, sticking with games for a second, Sony has had to issue uh, refunds for uh, EA Sports uh, FIFA Ultimate uh, team game uh, because Austria has ruled that it's gambling. Um, and of course, if if it's gambling rather than a computer game um, and it's not uh, not meeting all of the gambling regulations, then it's not legal. Um, so as a result, they've said, "Hang on, if anyone's bought this in uh, in Austria, you need to go and uh, you need to go and give them a refund because uh, you need a gambling license for that." Yeah, Sony um, overstepping quite a big line and uh, getting themselves into a bit of trouble. Um, the uh, the FIFA uh, Ultimate Team packs are uh, in game purchasable assets and um the the i think the thing that probably tipped this uh for the austrian courts is that the plaintiffs include a minor and hundreds of euros have been um basically spent on fat packs where the uncertain monetary value of the packs purportedly violated the austrian gaming so presume Presumably the deal here is that you buy one of these packs, you don't know what you're going to get, or you, no. you don't know what the value of the thing that you're going to get. So yeah, if it was a sort you, of... You, you buy, buy a team. A and do, exactly. Yeah. If, if, you, uh, yeah, if you bought one of these things and you knew what you were getting, then that would be fine. That's just a purchase. If you buy it, you don't know what you're getting, and then you buy it again in the hopes of getting something better and you keep doing that, that's basically yes. gambling, right? That's the lottery ticket thing. Yep, it um, is basically a football lottery ticket. So, yes, um, uh, most claims around €800, Euros, but there's one extreme case of €85,000. And I, I, have to, I have to slightly question someone spending that much, and I... I'm, <laughs> Realised that I'm stepping into slightly dodgy territory here, but eighty-five thousand euros on on in-game content, really? And maybe uh, it didn't need Sony to tell you that it was gambling to realise that that was perhaps perhaps not necessarily the best way of investing that money. Yes. Anyway, uh, EA and Sony have yet to comment on the judgment and could still challenge the verdict on appeal. But I think the amount of press they've received means they might just go yeah. quietly into the well, night they, they, and exactly. open their checkbooks. Well, just refund it, right? <laughs> um, yes. And finally, in the gaming world, uh, we have uh, Microsoft, who have been trying to acquire Activision Blizzard for quite a while. How many years has this been going on? I think at least a couple. Yes. Um, and of course, it needs to go through all the regulatory approval. This uh, this time, the EU antitrust uh, regulations. That seems like that's all gone ahead okay, um, and so the, uh, <laughs> the the pro the process carries on. It's not done yet, but uh, still uh, still looking like it's progressing. Yes. Seventy billion dollars. Sony, of course, still um, sticking their oars into this one because they don't want to lose Call of Duty on the PlayStation. Yes, and and they, I, I they fear that that Microsoft might make it an Xbox exclusive, but I think the EU would probably clamp down on Microsoft. It, if exactly, they did and that. I I suspect that antitrust process has been on the basis of Microsoft giving some reassurances that actually no, we want this to develop games, but all the stuff that's there already is going to stay cross-platform. Yeah. Yes, and then finally WhatsApp. Um, they are. 
going to uh, have a little bit of a rejig of their uh, their terms and uh, conditions to try and make them a little bit less confusing. I suspect that uh, uh, the number of people who fully read all of the WhatsApp T's and C's is pretty small. Um, and if you try to at the moment, unless you are uh, somebody who specialises in that area of law, uh, you're probably not going to get too far of actually making much sense out of them. Not, of course, that this is a problem limited to WhatsApp. Um, we're hopefully going to see a bit uh, better clarity there and also some options to say, no, you know what, this isn't okay. Just let me use the basic service. I don't want my data used for all of these other purposes. Yes, of course, the, the big controversy started in 2021 when their new policy at that time came out and appeared to give WhatsApp permission to share user data with Facebook, which, of course, started a big um, shouting match at WhatsApp about how dare you. And uh, they then clarified that it wouldn't and it was only business users and then they backed down on that. And, yeah, they, they basically have been kicked around the block a few times by the EU Commission and the Consumer Protection Cooperation Network, um, basically to to play fair and to play open and honest and uh, give users that choice. Excellent. Well, there we go. That's uh, this week's technology news. Uh, all the latest coming up next from Mobile World Congress, MWC 2023. Cambridge 105 Radio. New to Cambridge 105 Radio. Queer Cambridge, a programme for the LGBTQ community. There's topical discussion, a look at queer news nationally and locally, and the lowdown on LGBTQ events in the city. Queer Cambridge, Wednesday at 6 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. Do you already have a solar energy system or an electric vehicle on Octopus Go? Are you looking to beat the cost of living increases? A battery storage system from Residential Renewables can store your excess solar electricity. It can even store national grid power overnight when it's cheaper for you to use during the daytime when rates are higher. A Residential Renewables battery storage system can help you reduce your carbon footprint, increase your resilience to power outages. And if you're on Octopus Go with a six-hour window to charge your EV overnight, our systems can make savings of up to £5 per day on your household electric energy bills. Our systems come in a range of sizes to suit your energy needs and all come with a 10-year warranty. To find out more and to arrange a quote, email james at residentialrenewables.co.uk or visit residentialrenewables.co.uk. If you're like me, you've got a family and a business and you want to protect what's most important when the chips are down. With Woodfine Solicitors, that's exactly what happens. I got a bespoke legal service from a friendly expert team. They really listened to what was going on and tailored their recommendations to my situation, which was, well, that's another story. Anyway, the best thing was that it all happened online. A few simple clicks and I had my quote. That freed up time to focus on everything else. Get the help you need when you need it most. Visit woodfinds.co.uk or call Cambridge 411421. Woodfinds, cutting through the red tape. Cambridge 105 Radio.
and we're going to be bringing you the latest from MWC 2023. Uh, MWC used to be known by its full name, the Mobile World Congress, and it's held in Barcelona each uh, each year. They had a brief sort of foray onto the uh, onlineiness when uh, uh, we had the everyone had to. COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, it's it's back in person now. Um, plus or minus most of the vendors, I think, is probably still a little uh, smaller than it used to be. Um, but nonetheless, I, it's still I, I, a. I don't a, know. I mean, they, so the the numbers from this year's event, and it only happened this past weekend, was uh, eighty eight thousand five hundred people attended, which is a huge number. I'm I'm pretty sure it used to be upwards of six figures yeah, though. I th- I think it was getting into the hundred thousand, a hundred and twenty thousand type bracket. So yes, it is down from that, but still, I think pretty good considering we've got a lot of uh, industries suffering from a bit of a recession effect uh we're seeing the high-tech industry suffering supply chain issues which has made business difficult for them so you're going to have people going "Mm, do we go to an event that's expensive to travel um for a few days so and of course at the flip side of things the some of the very biggest uh vendors apple started this trend samsung then followed it up, now actually splitting out from MWC rather than launching their products there, running their yeah. own events um, and sort of doing the, the big flagship launches. Frankly, at a time where the, the media has a bit more time to digest and think about it and actually report True. the stories. True. Still 2,400 exhibitors and sponsors and partners, over 1,000 speakers. Uh, that's a lot of sessions. <laughs> uh, 40 key, uh, 40% keynote speakers from adjacent industries. So in other words, not necessarily the focus industry that they might be presenting to, but bringing their thoughts across different industries, which helps build and grow ideas, which is a great thing. And also more than 40% of the keynote speakers were women, which is Good. also Good. a fantastic Le- thing. Nearly there. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I wouldn't I mean, say we're, we're, we've achieved it there, but no, it, 40% we're, we're get, is a lot we're better than... There. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot better than it would have been um, five years back. And something like 200-odd countries and territories represented by all the attendees, so... Yeah, pretty much every pretty every, much every, every country on, in the yep. world had, had someone go. Uh, journalists, uh, about 2,500 journalists and industry wow. analysts as well, and um, on average 10,000 networking meetings a day... Gosh, that's uh, that's a so lot yes, of coffee and, uh, a, uh, and bacon A lot sandwiches. of coffee and business happened, and um, yeah, it, it brings a lot of uh, part-time jobs to Barcelona, and certainly helps the city. They reckon it uh, it uh, brought about three hundred fifty million euros to Barcelona. I can well imagine that. Um, of course, it's as well as the latest technology. It's all about uh, also about celebration, and yes. this year's event brought the Global Mobile Awards Lifetime Achievement Award. That was presented this year to Martin Cooper. and uh, he was f- the one f- who- first, first presentation of the award. It's a brand new award. Yes. Um, and he, he was the one that placed the first public call from a handheld portable cell phone. <laughs> that was uh, way back in 1973, if you remember <laughs> that far back. And it, it's it's crazy to think that, I guess, when did cell phone or uh, mobile phone usage really take off? I guess in the UK, it was probably in the early 2000s. Um, yeah, I, may, yeah, maybe a little know, before in the, that. But in, in the 90s, there was certainly... Uh, Vodafone were doing very well in the 90s. Oh, totally, um, but it was very much the, the kind of well-off business person rather than the yeah, you would expect yeah. to go down the pub and all your friends would have one. I mean, I got my first cell phone in the late 90s, um, not in the UK, 
I, I'm going to claim that you're probably a, a little ahead of the technology curve in terms of being an early adopter uh, there, of these. There, there is entirely that, and and the, the fun thing was, as soon as I got one, my boss at the time went, "Oh, uh, yeah, pages are dead." Uh, but pro- promptly had to get himself one as well. Um, but of course, <laughs> this is still 20, 25 years since that first. 50? Uh, well, tw- 25 years from when it was first invented to yeah. when it really started taking but, off. Now we're, we're near, another 25 years further we're, on. We're a month away from 50 years since the first public phone call from a handheld portable cell phone. Wow. So uh, that one, <laughs> that award, and, and, going to and Martin And 40 Cooper. years from the first, um, first actual cell phone you could buy. Uh, yes, definitely the the daddy of the cell phone. Uh, this year at MWC, generally, there seemed to be sort of five themes that, uh, that the conference was uh, sort of centred around. Um, going from from their words, uh, there was reality plus. So presumably, this is uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, and all of those terms. Yep. Uh, digital everything. Um, as if most things weren't digital already. Fintech, so finance come technology, and this is uh, obviously a a big mover in the market. Uh, 5G acceleration. 5G, of course, has been around for some time, but what does it enable that isn't just 4G and and a little bit faster? And also the rollout of 5G around the world. Yep. And then open net. And this is probably something that's more interesting to the mobile phone networks and the associated vendors that they're working with rather than consumers directly. But this is the idea um, that, that actually you don't have to buy one vendor for your entire mobile phone network. You can go and pick some bits of, uh, of some uh, and some bits of another and they will work together. And honest. I suppose brought to prominence by Huawei being... Uh, not so popular in suddenly a lot of networks uh, because of concerns about security of of Chinese-made equipment. And um, then (laughs) a lot of networks going, but if we unplug that from our network, it breaks everything. So I think the idea of open net has been um, dragged, kicking and screaming towards the uh, today as a thing that people build first before they actually uh, think about the rest of the network is can we actually unplug a chunk of our network from a vendor for any reason? You know, that vendor could go out of business or become unpopular. So jumping into some of these then, Reality Plus, let's uh, let's start with that one. And this, as we said, it's VR, AR and all of that sort of thing. Um, the, the, the theme sponsored by Deloitte, uh, because of course all of these themes came with a, uh, a headline sponsor. Crack sponsor, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but really it is about all of those things. 3D computing. Um, is, is 3D back again? I, I... Well, it, it, it is when you're talking VR, virtual reality or augmented reality. True. I I think the 3D televisions have probably become a thing that, well, sort of came and then went again. Um, But VR headsets do still have a bit of a a place in the market. I don't think they're, you know, taking off necessarily right into the mainstream, maybe just nudging at the edges of it. Um, But, you know, still nonetheless worlds ahead of where they were a few years ago. Um, Combine those with AI. That's the the marketing term for machine learning. and uh, and 5G. They, they've also thrown Web 3.0 in there. I, I think that's probably a term that no one's really defined properly yet, so we'll, uh, we'll ignore that It's mar- marketing speak again, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so um, some of the uh, some of the companies that are doing cool things in uh, in the Reality Plus space then. Should we start with uh, with Brumex? So Brumex, I, I quite, quite like this. It's a uh, t- turn your room into 
a 3D visual space. So if you've been to a planetarium or seen an IMAX or even an Omnimax presentation where the screen is just huge, now turn the whole room into a screen. Now, I can't remember, was it Microsoft did something like this a while back, where the idea was you'd have your TV, which would have the majority of your game on it, but then you'd combine that with a projector that sort of extended the, the, the immersiveness at lower, lower quality, but extended it around the room, so you'd sort of get the, the high-quality action right in front of you, but you'd then also get the sort of the, the, I think the it was bullets a third wishing party. I don't head. think it was Microsoft themselves. There was certainly a, a big research project around it, uh, probably five years back or so yes but um, the Bro anyway, broom, broom x, x yeah is a a high performance laser projector um that gives a 360 degree immersive experience in the room by basically lighting the whole room up nice. um some of the cool stuff that they are showing that they can do with it uh, besides obviously providing providing an immersive experience in a room without wearing headsets so think uh you know being able to uh fly over the top of a mountain sitting in the room basically while the, the the visuals take you there um to um objects that you can interact with and uh, and and manipulate uh, in a virtual environment without wearing headsets and so on so think engineering or healthcare looking at at molecules and cells and so on and being able to literally walk up to the thing um projected on the walls and interact with it and of course, this yeah, you mentioned healthcare, and that's that's going to be a, a big one. And the sort of the healthcare adjacent stuff. Yeah, if you're doing your yoga session, uh, then imagine having you know a totally immersive experience there. But also things like gigs. You know, go, going to a music venue. Um, you yeah. know, maybe a smaller venue where they they haven't got the kind of the fully immersive lighting. You know, huge lighting rig. Shoving one of these on stage next to you, and suddenly not only is the stage lit up with a load of cool visualizations, but the room surrounding the audience as well yeah no, so that, that's going to be some quite cool tech to to watch i think um switching back to wearables and headsets um the pico xr wearable range uh quite an interesting one because they are coming in with their pico 4 um all-in-one headset <coughs> so it's a virtual reality headset that does not require a phone or a pc to actually work everything's in uh, the headset so it's actually standalone it is standalone um, at not a ridiculous price from everyone's favorite online as well as High Street uh, Emporia. So, yes, you can go to Amazon, but also Argos and Curry's will be stocking these uh, about 380 quid. Nice. That does seem like a, a, a pretty decent sort of entry level thing and also something that doesn't require you to go out and buy a really advanced graphics card because what is cool though. Is if yeah, you've I was got just, just going to say for, for a lot of uh, exactly a lot of the existing ones, you buy the headset and it's maybe six hundred to a thousand, and then you need to go and play the thousand pound graphics card on top of it. Yes. that's not true with the uh, the Pico. No, but what you can do with the Pico, besides running stuff natively on the headset, so it's got its own app store and a whole lot of games in it, several thousand titles already uh, available, and some come free with it. Um, you can stream from your PC to your Pico 4. Ah, nice. So if you've already got PC games that can be VR-enabled, you just install the Pico 4 down, um, streaming assistant and stream your game to your new headset. So it can nice. be a lot cheaper entry into VR with your existing PC without having to do those expensive graphics card upgrades straight away. And yeah, you know, down the road you might decide to go for something a bit more high-end. 
um, once you've been bitten by the bug. Interestingly, as well as the uh, the gaming market, I do notice that they've got the uh, the Pico Four Enterprise. Um, this one seems a yeah, very similar uh, device, um, but aimed squarely at the business market. So you know, maybe uh, if you're an architect or doing design consultancy, you know, what's your new office going to look like? Engineering. What's your product going to be looking like? Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're seeing a, a big sort of opportunity in that market. And I think for that kind of immersive visualization, um, there's a lot of promise there. Interesting. So um, powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon XR2 and um, comes with all of the controllers in the box. So unlike other vendors, um, you don't have to buy extras. Once you've bought the headset, you actually yeah, get all it. of the goodies that you'd want to use with it out the box straight away. Okay, moving on to the second theme then, um, which is fintech, uh, financial technology. And of course, some of it was cryptocurrencies. We've, we've talked, about, uh, <laughs> talked about cryptocurrencies on and off in, in the past. Um, I think the, you know, the headline figure there is be very wary. These are not generally financially regulated institutions and there is no guarantee that you will actually get whatever money you might choose to put in back in anything like the same quantity. So let's leave those to one side for a moment. Um, in the more mainstream financial market, there's also a lot of developments in the banking industry themselves. Yes, I mean, do go back and listen to our Gadget Guide 242 from the 6th of February, where we talked about disruptor banks and digital banks. Um, but what we are seeing and what we saw at Mobile World Congress or MWC this year was a lot of the mobile network improvements, those 5G rollouts helping providers in developing countries offering financial services to people uh, who might not have had access to a bank. And, um, and this is this is massive in a lot of countries. You know, yes. You, the, the penetration of mobile phones is way higher than the penetration of bank accounts. And exactly. That, that probably feels utterly bizarre to a couple of us sitting here in the UK. Well, we, we, we see it in this country with uh, international students arriving in the UK. Yeah. And we've gone very much cashless in this yep. country. Um, and... Good luck as a, a, a recent arrival international student studying at Cambridge getting a bank account. Oh, Fortunately, totally. you know, a lot of those disruptor banks, those app-based banks are making that easier for certainly the likes of students and students are probably their biggest market. You've only got to visit things like the Cambridge Beer Festival and see the number of bright pink uh, bits of plastic to know that Monza have made a big impact on the student world. Um, Revolut similarly and it's made and of things course, accessible. This, this is going to so be in, something that is going to stick with them for a long yes. time. I, th I think that yeah, there, there's some stat about you know the the average bank account lasts four times longer than the average marriage or or something <laughs> along those lines. And um, of course, in the in the developing it's incredibly world, sticky in the developing world where you know, like you said, people don't have access to a bank easily. Cash has been the only way of of transacting, but mobile phones have become prevalent because mobile phone networks have grown and, and some people have never had access to a telephone until mobile phones arrived and you know a village that might have never had communication of any sort like that suddenly mobile phones are there because there's a moss on the next hill and yeah suddenly providing a phone as a wallet is a real thing for people out there in the world 
listening to The Gadget Guide and we're talking about some of the announcements and news and themes and so on uh, out of MWC. That's the, the new name for Mobile World Congress held in Barcelona the last, uh, last week or two. Um, and so we've talked about Reality Plus and FinTech, and we're now sort of on to digital everything and 5G acceleration. Uh, and of course, 5G, you might have started noticing popping up on your uh, on your phone screen uh, around Cambridge, certainly uh, yeah, on the north side of the city, I'm seeing it you know, reasonably uh, reasonably commonly on uh, on some networks. De- depressingly, when I've found 5G, and it's, it's normally been in the dry Drayton area, performance has been worse than 4G. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely it's a, in that rollout phase at the moment, yes, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so, so what, what are some of the, uh, the the new themes coming out of the conference here? So a bunch of the new themes are private 5G networks. So this is um, a, uh, a an offering from the mobile phone networks themselves where they build a private network. So they put in infrastructure in an uh, organization's premises, so this could be a factory environment or a manufacturing plant, to offer 5G that is then effectively owned by that business. So things connecting to that network don't see the public internet, they see the company's private network, but it can be managed by the mobile phone network. And th- this is effectively a bit of a, it's it's somewhere between a Wi-Fi and your old company business radio system isn't it it's sort of yes. saying okay we, we we want some connectivity it's just for our purposes it's not yeah we're not selling it as public access or anything like that um but we want to control the coverage of it yes um so what they will ena- enable people uh, to do is extend their infrastructure to areas where wi-fi is possibly not appropriate or where uh, an Internet of Things device would be better suited with a 5G type connection, but they don't want the data to leak. So they don't want uh, that information to traverse the Internet in any way. Now, I, I'm slightly, yeah, we're, we're seeing out of MWC, yeah, it's it's still in the relatively slow stages of, of take up at the moment. I'm, I guess I'm sort of wondering whether this is actually going to become a thing. Um, or whether Wi-Fi is just getting good enough, fast enough, that the, the number of uses some for 5G of it, are very niche. I think some of it will depend on device manufacturers of Internet of Things type devices and, and yeah. things that go into manufacturing environments. Um, and that could be everything from uh, building cars to machine shops to high-end laboratory stuff, where because there's a bit more bandwidth and a bit more frequency spectrum in 5G than Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi we know is quite congested. That yes, sometimes some of, of those there, things... There have been you know, additions to particularly yes. the 5 gigahertz spectrum recently for Wi-Fi. So yeah, if, if you've got older devices, then replacing those actually gives you access to more, more space for more signals and therefore more speed. Yeah. Um, the, ge- the general thoughts from a, a lot of the showcase panellists were that um, yeah, security of a private network probably better than using public internet. Um, but the return on investment of 5G over Wi-Fi needs to be analysed by each organisation on its own merits and work out what would fit best in their existing infrastructure. Yeah, uh, on the uh, on the digital everything uh, theme, away from uh, away from 5G, there, there's some uh, some interesting. Uh, interesting themes just looking down the agenda. Um, well, one of them, here's a, a new word for uh, for you. Uh, where's it gone? Is it f- uh, figitals? Uh, as in physical digitals. 
um, it's right. it's not the uh, not the latest uh, sort of um, you know doodle devices or or that sort of thing. Um, but the possibility of combining NFTs, which are these sort of virtual uh, virtual tokens that you have a thing uh, with a physical object. I'm not quite sure what the difference between this and just buying a thing is, if I'm entirely <laughs> honest. Um, but this was the some I, of the, uh, the sort I, of up-and-coming uh, speakers. I guess it's like if you buy a bit of art and it's a print and it's a uh, numbered print one of 100, yeah. you've got a thing. Yeah, so and that, that, could, that could be a figure tool. Yeah, okay. I, I, I sort of get it. <laughs> yeah, moving on from that. Um, another theme that, that definitely came in the, into the Digital Everything uh, track was green tech. And I suspect that this is something that we are going to be seeing a lot more of. Um, yes. Yeah, this is how can technology enable us to fight you know, climate change, the climate emergency, um, and how can it help us because, of course, technology uses a lot of energy, uh, uses a lot of resources to build things, but it can also help save it. Um, so how, you know, some of the, the themes exploring uh, around, you know, how we can make uh, food production more efficient, particularly in the livestock sector. Yes, and, and some of those um, technologies like Internet of Things devices where we can put them out there in the wild to measure and analyse um, and look at environmental changes to help us actually work out whether we are doing things and actually are improving things are, are quite important and all leveraging the technology coming out of uh, MWC and the GSMA. Yeah, very much, uh, very much so. Um, so that's a, a little bit of a roundup of uh, of some of the the, the latest launches at uh, at MWC. Um, there was, of course, plenty more. How many sessions were there on the agenda? It was uh, several thousand. Four four days of uh, of sessions and. Uh, yeah, it, I think uh, in the in the thousands of uh, yes. different sessions from from different exhibitors, um, but lots of uh, lots of news. No doubt we'll be seeing more product uh, releases in the coming months as well. We'll uh, we'll keep you up to date on that, um, including some uh, some shiny new uh, phones coming up in the next uh, couple of months as well from uh, the likes of OnePlus. Yes, obviously there were phones announced. I think what we'll do on the next Gadget Guard is a look at some of the actual stuff that you will be able to buy that was shown off at MWC 2023. Cambridge 105 Radio.